Hello, friends. Thanks again for joining us on our 260 Challenge. Appreciate you so much for tuning in today. Uh, today, we are going to finish another book. We're finishing 1 Corinthians, and today we're going to wind up with chapter number 16. And there is a connection here that I think that a lot of times we could miss because uh, when the Bible was written, there was no chapters and there was no breaking between chapters. Uh, there was no verses. No, those are obviously added, added later for our ease of, uh, our, uh, ease of use. But there is a, a connection between the rapture and an offering. Now, look, I want you to see this. It's not my idea, but it's the Apostle Paul's. And there is a really a big-time connection. But there uh, there is a, a single thought, and we unintentionally remove some of our energy whenever we separate these these ch chapters, um, any from chapter 15 and the chapter 16. But listen, I want you to see. Uh, this here real quick and, and notice chapter first uh, Corinthians 15 verse 51 through 58 you you read those and you see you know, Paul's clearly talking about about the rapture uh, but now how powerful are all those verses and he's talking about our our earthly bodies and the rapture and the twinkling of an eye and and where is death sting and and death is swallowed up uh, thanks be to God who gives us the victory so we need to remain steadfast unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord without skipping a beat. Remember now, there's no divisions in the original letter. Uh, now look at verse 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have ordered unto the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. He's talking about taking up an offering. Wow, that's a that's a pretty incredible switch to go from the rapture to the offering. And I just kind of want to look at Paul and be like, man, are you serious? You could have let us down a little a little easier. You had you had us shouting, you had us worshiping, you had us raising our hands, and now. I can almost hear people groan as you switch from, from the rapture to, to finances. But to the average person, it may seem like a downer or it may seem like uh, a, such a swift change. But to Paul, it was not. Uh, there's simply no, there's, but there's no transition. There's no seeds. There's no bridge. Like He does a, a great, powerful message on, on the rapture and then says, all right, let's take up an offering. Um the rapture and, and collection can be mentioned together because they both are why they both are so important to God, and it's important to get the saints home. But it's also important to get the work done here on earth. And when we think they have no connection, but not to the Holy Spirit, given in the rapture, uh, even if it's in the, if, even in the Bible, it's as important. It's important no matter where the replacements are. But let's read the rest of the passage and make a few comments on this and see. He says now concerning the churches of sixteen. Then uh, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order for the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. He's upon the first day of the week that every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Now, these two doctrines reveal a lot about us. They really tell us a lot about where we're coming from. And when we look at our schedules and our bank accounts, you've heard this many times, they show how precious our most resources are, most valuable resources are, and that's time and money. It's been said that only about 2% of people in modern-day churches today are still tithing. Now, uh, that's it's information that is kind of alarming and kind of kind of makes us just step back and say, yo, wait wait a minute here, what, what's going on? When you go to a doctor kind of for an annual checkup, um, you've been to the doctor before and he'll push on your stomach and say, you know, does this hurt, does this hurt, does this hurt? So when pastors talk about finances, it's almost like they're starting to push and say, "Hey, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this hurt?" It's like they don't want to. They don't want to mention it. Don't want to talk about it. But it is so important. Listen, 
16 of the 38 parables that Jesus told concerning how to uh, how was it, how to handle money and possessions. It's 16 out of the 38. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of every 10 verses, 288 in total, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. The Bible does not shy away from money, and I really don't think we should either. There's only three things, really, you can you can do with money. You can spend some, save some, and you can give some away. First of all, you need to spend some. You need to you need to tithe. You need to pay God. You need to pay your bills. And secondly, you need to save some. Um, no matter how much it is of, of, of your check, try to put some back to save it. And then lastly, you need to give some away. There's no greater blessing than be able to bless somebody. And with it seems like whenever we talk about money, we hear people say, you know, uh, I, I need this for that or I need that for this. But let me tell you, limit how to really increase your finances. We don't we don't get there by by dropping hints with people of our need. That's kind of covert manipulation. We don't we don't get financial assistance by simply praying. Jesus says it very plainly. We receive by giving. Why do we want to bypass that simplicity? Some pray for money without giving. That's impossible. It would contradict what Jesus said. Jesus said uh Jesus does not say, pray, and it will be given unto you. He says, give, and it will be given unto you. Let me, let me encourage you today to stop being uncomfortable when the subject of money comes up and, and the subject of tithing comes up and the subject of giving comes up. But rather, ask God to be able to use you to bless others. And I'm telling you, you'll never be able to outgive God. He is so, so faithful. But it's weird and interesting to me how Paul goes straight from a a shouting message into a challenge message. And I think he put those there. God put the, the Bible together perfectly, uh, absolutely perfectly. So whenever we think about the rapture and going home, we should be thinking about what are we doing to invest in others to make it there? What are we doing to make sure that the message of God's awesome and wonderful and amazing grace is being told and that grace saves an old wretch like me?